I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Welcome to the I Am Jen Wilson podcast. I am Jen Wilson. Thank you so, so much for joining us again. It is always a pleasure to bring conversations to you where we get to hear who people are and what they're about, what makes them tick, what makes them inspired to live and share their joy with the world. And this week's podcast, I have Gail Loveshock. Now, when you start listening to this recording, I just hit record as soon as Gail came online because I have had conversations with people before where the conversation before we hit record was immense and then we missed that conversation and the actual podcast itself. So you'll get to hear that little bit of intro, hi, how are you kind of stuff because it was the first time we'd ever had a conversation. Is Gail's events manager had reached out to me asking about Gail and I doing a collaboration which is going to happen in June this year 2019 so keep your eyes peeled for information about that but Gail runs various different things and loves the word curry which if you're not Scottish the word curry means cozy comfortable snug like if you think about an open fire and your really jumper and a nice mug of tea and you just curry in to get away from whatever it is that you want to get away from whether it's the cold weather whether it's life just curry into yourself and it gives comfort and it's just such an amazing word and she does a lot of work around that and around self-love and we have just an amazing conversation and her story is inspirational so I hope that you enjoy it and just before we go into that interview I just want to remind you about my book which is available on Amazon nine rules to sort your shit you can search either nine rules to sort your shit or search Jen Wilson and the book will come up I've also got a workbook that goes along with it and I've also been creating a couple of other books a positive gratitude journal and a class journal for people who go along to classes where your goal isn't to lose weight or change body shape but you sometimes forget what it is that you actually get from a class so I have people who come to me for Pilates and yoga and there's lots of different reasons that people come to me for that and they don't always recognize straight away the journey that they've traveled or the benefits that they've had from coming along to class so I created this little journal that they can fill in each time they come to class just how they were feeling just before class started and then how they feel at the end of class and it's just a nice little reminder of the achievements that you make in a small short period of time and that's available on Amazon as well if you just search Jen Wilson and look for class journal you will be able to find it there. Anyway enough of my rambling and pitching you my books let's jump in to this interview and I will see you on the other side I hope you love it as much as I did. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to hit record from just now because so many times I have conversations with people and the gold happens in that conversation and it's like, ah, I'm not recording. So <laughs> you can edit bits out and stuff. It's all good. 
So how are you, Gail? Thank you so much for your time. Oh my God, I'm very well. It's a total pleasure. Um, delighted to be recording um, the first podcast with a fellow Scot. So um, this is like, I've been on a lot of podcasts and this is the first Celtic one, which just seems a bit crazy when I think about it. But um, yeah, yeah, so yeah there's a, not a lot of um, Scottish podcasters out there at the moment, apparently. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Yeah, like to be yeah, at the front yeah. <laughs> for a change <laughs> instead of following everything going for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were, um, Amy just told me a little bit about what kind of you're up to, and so um, I just I'm really looking forward to finding out more, and and then yeah, and then whatever whatever magic unfurls on this on the, in this conversation, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. Yeah, because Amy um, emailed us. I think it was just last week. Um, and she was just like, oh, what are your thoughts on this? And I was like, oh, let's have a chat and see, like, let's have a conversation to get to know each other better and find out what we do and see what, ha what happens and develops from that. Yeah, definitely. definitely yeah. Yeah. And so you're uh, in Scotland then? Yeah, I'm in Glasgow. Oh, oh great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Where are you? You're down south somewhere? Yeah, so I'm in, at the moment, I'm in Worthing, which is close to Brighton, so okay. on the coast, um, so basically straight to the bottom, essentially, yeah. and, then, and then it's the English Channel and nothing, so. <laughs> you couldn't really get much further away from Scotland then. <laughs> not, not on this bit of not land. Not on this bit of land, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, no, um, steps are in motion. My husband, um, our cat and I are going to be returning to Scotland um, sort of in the next couple of years. So nice. really, really looking forward to that. Um, just, yeah, time to come home, essentially, kind of time to, that was, that was sort of always the plan. And then, I don't know, something happened across the last 20 years that it got, it took slightly longer. And then I <laughs> Funny how life does that to you. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, we could we could just move, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so a lot of my family are, are still in Scotland. Like my mum's just um Nielsen way on the way to sort of between you know Glasgow and Loch Lomond, so she's yes. um she's that way and things like that. So yeah, just I don't know, it just feels really healthy to be listening to that call to come home essentially and to Yeah. Yeah, and to you know, to see what happens. Um, yeah, just to see what happens really. As a as a coach, my work's global. Yeah, know, as a coach and mentor, and similarly, you know, as a as an interfaith minister. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter where I am because we have the you know the power of yeah the power of yeah, worldwide web. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, just you know, helping people feel better is is the crux of what I do in one form yeah. or another so um yeah to help people pause their suffering from psychology essentially yeah and, um yeah just to kind of return them back to yeah this idea of oneness and of you know divine love and to be able to practice devotion and 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 things like kuri as well I've got a kuri workshop on yeah I was looking at that like, yeah. I love that word kuri and it's never occurred to me before to use that as something to, right. to say because like, you say it all the time and when you live in Scotland it's just something you do. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's, it's opened up such a massive conversation um, mm. 
with my community and with lots of different people. And um, similarly, yeah, I think there was something about, um, I spent sort of this last year kind of reclaiming my Scottishness, if that makes sense. There's a yeah. real sort of English cloak, I think, that can be worn consciously or unconsciously sort of down here. And um, I just, through, in, through interfaith ministry and this great big journey of authenticity, essentially, and what does that really mean? Well, it means being who we are, you know, and that, and I, I don't think I was really being the full Curie version of Gail, basically. And yet yeah. when I think about it, everything that I do, the essence of who I am is, is pure Curie. It's about that we nook, you know, like make in that getting in that we nook, that we cuddle, that safe space, that feeling. Yeah. Um, and all of it is Scottish, basically, you know, all of it. So suddenly having this conversation and then yeah, and just the magic that is that's happening as a as a result of that, this kind of softening and then this opening at the same time. It's really yeah, it's it's really interesting. I sort of I said to, I said to my husband the other day, I was like, "Are you kidding me? All I had to do to feel better about life was be Scottish." Who knew? Who knew? Because so many, like so many people that leave Scotland, like go travelling, go and live abroad, or whatever. Yeah. I find that when they go away, they become at some point in that journey being away, and I've done it myself, is you become more Scottish when you go away because you don't recognise it or appreciate it while you're here. And you sometimes yeah. need to take yourself out. It's like lots of things you need to take yourself out of a situation to fully appreciate what it was that's there. And then you take all the best bits that you want to be there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm saying like I've lived overseas as well. And, and, and similarly, I think all of it, yeah, being this going away to come back again, but in a, yeah. in a, in a really healthy way, like even when I was a kid, I knew I would leave um, to go and gain whatever I needed to gain that I get the time wasn't available. Or I don't know, I had some sense even as a wee one that it, that it might not be available. Um, and then, yeah, there would come a day when it would be time to sort of come home again. And it just yeah. feels like the best decision. I just feel, I don't think, I, I wasn't conscious of their feeling like a pressure, but there, there sort of, there, there was, I think I was kind of holding it, it. I suppose metaphorically, it sort of feels like, yeah, we're kind of hold, sitting, sitting on the suitcase of you, that sort of, you know, and then yeah. you're trying to find yourself, but you're sitting on it. Does that make, does yes. that make oh it's me that's hurting me oh good <laughs> must do that more yeah. Yeah, not to self yes yeah that was that was fun yeah <laughs> so how are um like how do you spend your days what's your time so my days are in the morning, I get up and usually do some sort of meditation self-care routine. I've just changed the order of it because we're going into winter now. And I've been reading a lot about Ayurveda and about different body types and how the seasons have their own association with different body types. So I find when I get up in the morning, I feel really congested. So rather than going and sitting down and meditating, I'll go and have a ginger tea and I'll do some yoga and move about so that that clears all that to allow me to then sit down and meditate. Mm -hmm. um, and the summer is fine I can just go up and sit and meditate it's really quite fascinating this stuff mm -hmm. um, and then this last week I have been rewriting the second edition of my first book 
Um, so I'm 30, I've got 30 pages left to rewrite, re-edit, and then it should be ready to get uploaded tomorrow well I look forward to reading that and of course if there's anything I can do to you know happy to share in the community and, Amazing, and yeah. yeah channels for sure yeah more more power to, to that and 30 pages oh that's that's lovely that's I know lovely. it's like the end <laughs> is near <laughs> the first edition when how when are you refreshing it from? Um, it will be two years tomorrow from when it was officially out. So this, that, this is the first edition of it. Become a warrior woman, nine rules to sort your shit. Love it. Yeah. Um, so second edition, I'm going to drop the become a warrior woman and I'm making it less gender specific just because I have loads of guys asking me about it and they wouldn't buy it because it was for a woman. So I have gender neutralized the book to make it more and with the times oh that's um, amazing what a gift yeah so yeah it's exciting we'll get yeah. that out to the world yeah definitely yeah oh my so gosh. what took you away from scotland was that 20 years ago yeah well it was uh education interestingly mm. I, um, so when when did I so I, lived, I was born in Glasgow and then born in the West End and then kind of lived all over the East Coast and then sort of down to the borders, Moffat and Freeshire. Um, and um, yeah, just, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere smaller. They, you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, um, and then, um, then we moved, family sort of, we moved to Carlisle. So we moved just over the border. Um, and then from there it just seemed that my life trail snail trail was further and further south to the point where yeah there is there is no more south basically yeah. i always it's interesting i always thought i was going to go to um uh like the scottish conservatory to study drama i thought like for my whole childhood i sort of thought that was going to happen and that was where i was going to go um and then somehow that that didn't happen and I ended up at Lancaster and I was studying I studied um uh, performing arts and majored in contemporary dance so and then from there um this kind of yeah this this sort of yeah life further south so from Lancaster to London um and then sort of all around the counties so so kind of Surrey Hampshire Kent um and now I'm in West Sussex there's there's literally nowhere else to live in yes <laughs> um and then you know the kind of job market at the time because I was working dance performance education some performing a lot of teaching yeah um but at the same time I'd also gone into my I suppose what we might say esoteric training so 20 years ago as well I'd started to study you know Reiki before anybody kind of really knew what it what it people just thought I was crazy yeah emotional freedom technique also before anybody knew it was magnified healing working with Kuan Yin goddess training so all that was kind of in my in my sort of early 20s and then I was I was building on being born like very very intuitive and clairsentient so really always knowing and feeling yeah so also when I'm um mentoring or working with people I always feel what's happening in their system and then equally um, in a in a big room of people feel what's happening in everybody's system so yeah. I had to you know kind of learn yeah how 
how to basically not then carry all of that around because yes. then they're well, lovely but I don't need all their shite <laughs> we've all got enough of our own thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously um and then yeah kind of career um and things so I was doing yeah did my kind of original coaching training also probably about 15 16 years ago and then um then was working in arts development cultural fundraising uh, that led me into being a, um, an exec producer for London 2012 and for kind of co-creating quite a lot of the Southeast torch relay and a lot of the cultural activity. But what was happening more and more was I was, I felt like I was being asked to go into rooms to um, really as an empath actually to kind of suss out what was happening and then yeah. to come out and say look I think the way that we close this is by doing this or that that safety policy isn't going to be agreed we're going to have to go down this route or can you please stop using that language because if you haven't noticed you're pissing half the room off basically yeah. and we're not, you know we're not going to get anywhere um then from there I went into everybody kind of fell out of London 2012 and then from there I went into being an executive kind of luxury producer that took me to live in the Middle East and to live between the Middle East and London so I was like launching things like Lamborghini and Graf Diamonds and luxury starwood hotels and then yeah. London Fashion Week and um, that again was just an environment of of working in a way that was trying to kind of just being very sensitive it was just an amazing ground for picking up on people um and then yeah about five years ago I decided to go completely you know sort of well at the time freelance and then into setting up a essentially a business of, of transformation yeah that wasn't about taking people really far away from themselves but it was about saying just we'll have a cup of tea and explore and we'll work through lots of you know we'll work through lots of these avenues and just we'll just again we'll find out if you're sitting on the suitcase of you yeah, or yeah. you know or if there's yeah if there's something else so it's yeah it's been a it's been an extraordinary kind of couple of decades to be to be honest as well it's um yeah the, and a lot of a lot of accidents as well like I had a lot of um a lot of accidents, quite a few near-death experiences, and that also was a, a big part of um, thinking that there was probably another way to live and to exist, which which would hopefully be a little less painful, essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that um, I feel like I have a, a, my apprenticeship continues, but in a somewhat more gentle <laughs> because so, near-death experiences I don't imagine would be fun no not at all not at all yeah. was it was there any one of those near-death experiences that was more I want to say influential on your path mm -hmm. yeah I mean from a I had a car crash about five oh no maybe a bit longer maybe a bit longer I think oh so maybe about seven years um yeah seven years ago and when I when I like reflect back from like a reflective biographical place yeah I think I could feel the car crash coming or I could feel something was coming yeah and I was and I was really looking over my shoulder for it you know I was I would stop and, and be like my god well if you're coming just come you know yeah. it's just let's get this over with whatever this is going to be and so then um and actually what it turned out to be was I had, was stopped at a red light and 
an ambulance basically drove into the back of me. So they, they accelerated into the back of me and, and it all happened very quickly and very slowly. Um, but it led to a lot of frontal lobe damage. It led to a lot of brain bruising. Um, I, I lost my speech for a while. That, that sort of came later. It was interesting and nerve damage kind of through the spine. Um, but what was really interesting was that the ambulance driver, when she came uh, to check me, because they were empty, which I always, you know, I always say was marvellous because they could attend to me on site. Yeah. But um, she said, um, I've been driving for 25 years. I've never had a crash. My Something moved my foot from the brake onto the accelerator and I couldn't stop, you know. And she was like, I realise I'm admitting that yeah. I just did that you know she was like but I just I don't know I don't know how to explain it and I just remember everything was sort of ringing and um I just it just it felt like I'd been smacked into like another world if that makes sense yes yeah. yeah. it was it was so interesting and it was um and then yeah and and it was about um yeah it was a good well, it was a good couple of years of recovery actually so mm. um yeah but that one it's interesting I always um when I've thought about it it's like I I chose that moment I think to because my brain had sort of been moved about for yeah. me I, when I again biograph, biographical reflection I think that my my brain was moved around and that actually opened me to a lot more of um my potentiality yeah. and, and what that is and therefore how I work, feel, see the world and see other see the truth of people and the kind of yeah. soul of people. Um you know, as with all things, if there'd been a, another way to do it, and um, that would have been that would have been lovely. But um <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, there was an easier path to get there. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but yeah I think um you know I think that was a it was a biggie not least because just even um physically I couldn't move you know I trained as a dancer it changed physicality um I couldn't make I couldn't make a cup of tea for about eight months I couldn't lift a kettle I couldn't like my arms wouldn't lift higher than shoulder um You know, I remember the first time that I washed my hair on my own and I was just exhausted but ecstatic that I'd, I'd managed, you know, to probably get in the shower on my own, you know, like all these sorts of things like dressing myself. And it was just, it was just extraordinary, you know, and then as the bruising and pain and everything kind of came out the yeah, the level of, you know, the level of pain and what that, how that affects the system. And, um, and then of course, at, just how other people react when you're in that form of recovery and what I didn't realize was I would be starting sentences but then not finishing them and I didn't know anything was wrong I didn't know I'd started the sentence and I didn't know I'd stopped yeah people would be listening and then I would stop and then I and then they would be like "Mm mm-hmm and then I in I thought I was saying like what and then sometimes I wouldn't, there would be nothing. So there was, there yeah. was nothing happening. So, um, so that was quite interesting as, yeah. as well. So, um, and how long did that take to, to recover from? That was probably about, um, I think, all, yeah, so all in, it was a couple of, 
all in a couple of years and then I think speech wise there was maybe eight or nine months something like that and then I had more more sense of what was yeah of what, when I was starting or, or stopping um but it, yeah it was just the it was the not it was the not knowing you know it was it was just so it was so interesting and and again I would only know because of how other people were were looking at me yeah. so in a way I became I think I, I think slightly more um because I was spending a lot of time on my own as well then um it also felt a little bit easier to spend less time with less people because then there would be less people looking back at me in that in that way yeah which was obviously they were very worried about something and I had no idea what it was um that you know again that's that's a very peculiar and unusual place to be really but um yeah it um I'm very very grateful for for everything and when I have scatty days as we all do and 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 things aren't in my brain I just I'm just overjoyed that I can tell (laughs) (laughs) all these little things that you take for granted like even the physical things like being able to make a cup of tea and get dressed and washing your hair never mind being able to construct a sentence and know that you've done it Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we take so much for for granted that yeah, you have a newfound appreciation for everything that you do in life. Yeah, totally. And I mean, even hoovering, I couldn't hoover for it was about eighteen months, which people might, you know, think, oh, how marvelous. But it, it, when it's not your choice, it's yeah. it's 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 funny. It changes your your concept of. Um, you know, like just being able to throw the Hoover around or tidy the house up, and and you know even that, all those things they take, they take ages. And then, um, interestingly, and I had also the the other part was I had nosebleeds for about six and a half months, so um, just co- like constant because of what had happened in um, in in my skull. And I, I attended my first um, ten day vipassana. I think it was last year I think it was the year before and on the the third day um basically because of how um I don't have you have you practiced a vipassana before I I haven't but I've read like I've read about it but it would be worth explaining for listeners that don't know yeah so it's um it's uh it's so it's 10 days essentially of um you sitting (laughs) (laughs) meditating and not speaking to anybody and and by speech they mean um you know like no no verbal speech no eye contact um there's also no reading and no writing yeah and you start at four in the morning and you kind of finish around nine nine thirty at night and i should say there are breaks by the way so you're not sort of sitting there for that entire time um but you're building your you know if you don't have a seated practice geez louise that'll be it's hard yeah they torture yeah it's hard anyway but um for some so you're kind of working through this idea of kind of leaving um, or leaving or exiting the pain body because the pain body is created by um our psychology and the mind and so this idea that you can leave it you can kind of potentially move through it and then not uh, wear it anymore and then yeah around about the third day um basically nosebleeds started because I was in my mind I was um I was working through that car crash recovery and so then I had um nosebleeds for the next five days and then I had this extraordinary experience of um of sitting and then it felt as I really felt like as if um um again it was just like 
I separated from it or something happened physically where I could have this sense of where all the injuries and all the old pain was, but it wasn't in my body any longer. Yeah. And um, my skeleton changed, my posture almost reverted to what it had been previously, if not actually being a bit a bit better. And then that night the nosebleed stopped. And that was, that was I really truly felt that was the Vipassana experience was to allow that, um, you know, to allow that pain that I was carrying, because we do, we do carry it, you know, sometimes for a, <clears throat> a bit longer. Yeah. And the injury might be, might be there for, and it was just, it was this amazing feeling. I just remember waking up kind of day 10. Um, yeah, just with a lot more space in, in, in my skeleton, you know, in my head um, in my breath. Yeah, it was just, um, and in truth, it was really interesting actually, because so having gone from not sort of being able to talk during that recovery to then voluntarily going into Vipassana where you're invited not to communicate, when it came to like the 10th, 11th day, I, I, I actually didn't want to start talking. I was just really enjoying this. <laughs> And I was like, oh yeah, people can stay for like 40 days. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that was, that was, you know, again, that was just a really, I think that was a really important experience. Um, I'm not suggesting everybody would have to go through a Vipassana, but there's yeah. definitely, I think if, you, if you've been through accidents or things happen, then um, taking time is is often the only way to kind of just give the the mind an opportunity to recover never mind the body yeah so yeah for sure yeah there's a there's research i can't remember the doctor's name i, I want to say it's neil somebody or stuart somebody or it might be neil stewart i can't remember um and he's done a lot of work on how pain is perceived in the body and how a lot of it is from the mind and it's who perceive that something's going to be painful before you actually experience it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a lot of, of interesting interesting work and it's specifically around people who have who are trying to manage chronic pain mm-hmm. that are living day in day out with it and have been for years and I know a lot of people get a lot of benefit in managing pain through meditation because mm-hmm. they're creating that space in, in their minds that's it that's it and again it is it's just any I think anything that can be done to yeah create just a wee bit of space can bring just such comfort you know essentially and that's I think I yeah I don't think I'd realized how much I still had in in my body because again we sort of do we do wear it and I, I think sometimes we just get used to it being there sort of like a layer of skin it's just that's you know and it's just there um particularly i think within on my own experience of accident and, and recovery essentially um but yeah i think um you know meditation visualization um any any yeah anything that can you know that can move people to a place of more pieces all of that's very very welcome that's for sure yeah, yeah. i don't i don't know if i would count 10 days of vipassana as an easy challenge by the way just no. that but um but it definitely does do something so yeah i've got quite a few friends um that have done it and we also when i was doing my yoga teacher training we watched the documentary about they had they did vipassana in one of the prisons in the Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. and for the people that had gone through the program 
there was something like 85% of them didn't return to jail, whereas previously I had been the number had been the opposite way around. So it was really interesting. And the, the person who brought it in was trying to keep it there as something that they always did. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. And, and I think it is that because you because so much of that the personal training as well with it. I, I was calling the teacher Uncle Gwenka. So at the Master Gwenka, you watch the videos at night and it's great. Everybody sort of gets together and it's like movie night, you know, for some <laughs> speaking to you but obviously you're you're not speaking back but like some of the really interesting things they talk through is how you know when we think we're in a body and we think we are um this how you know how that feels but then when bits of that body change or are removed so for example they they talk about like oh my gosh you know that person's got such beautiful hair or such beautiful nails and then you know you, you find one of your hairs on your dinner plate or something like that and you're like oh god that's horrific you know it's the yeah. most horrible thing and then you know this sense that we have of, of what's acceptable and not acceptable in even <coughs> in a body and then how that translates essentially like into our prejudices or into our opinions and um, you know about other people in the, <coughs> the world you okay I just choked on my tea <laughs> That tea was lovely until it went down the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what we're talking about here. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just again, allowing ourselves to like see through the eyes of love or to see through beginner's love or, you know, Mm. we can't, you know, kind of all my teachings and especially at the minute with interfaith interfaith ministry you know about what unites is not what divides us it's like if we if we can't love another person can we at least find a tiny wee bit of god in them and that being like the god of your understanding or the god of my understanding yeah you know whatever that shows up as but just there's there's something um something very welcoming i think around that inquiry as well like yeah can we all just spot a little bit of god in one another yeah and then you know source light divinity oneness and um, you know whatever whatever the languages that we're using and um, or even you know a wee bit of charisma or a spark you know that that if we can find a wee bit of something yeah all of those just you know what what would that be like basically yeah i think the world would be a much happier and peace more peaceful place if we could all just see even a smidge of that human mm-hmm. and each yes. other yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the interfaith thing was something I was going to ask you about. How did you get into that? Mm. Um, one of my teachers and friends is um, Robert Holden. So I don't know if you know Robert's work. He's uh, um, he writes a lot about love and um, and has got many wonderful books out and also has a project called. Um, the happiness project which oh began, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 which she began about 20 years ago um just to, yeah exactly you know before basically anybody was me- measuring in inverted commas yeah. happiness um and so i um was training and working with robert robert and robert and then and then so told me about interview ministry which was actually um, created uh, by uh, Robert's first wife, an incredible woman called Miranda McPherson. And um, Miranda basically created this um, co kind of created this school between here and America of um, One Spirit Interfaith, Interfaith Ministry. 
And so I had found out about it a few years ago. Um, I hadn't really done anything with it. And then I was, um, somebody asked me a couple of, uh, oh, in fact, uh, last October, I think, yeah, you know, what are, what are your next steps or what do you think is going to happen? And then out of my mouth tumbled the words interfaith ministry. And I don't know who was more surprised, <laughs> or, or, or me. <laughs> um, so it was an odd that something needed exploring. And a, yes. and a, and a long story short, um, basically, I, that, I think that was the Thursday, the closing date for um, the closing date for the next course. I think was was the Monday, and um, I got in touch with the organisation, and basically we, we got it sorted. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so that was me kind of moving into moving into deeper study there, and yeah, it's just it sort of all took care of itself. It was one of those experiences, really. Yeah, amazing. And I also read in a blog that you it was who was it. Gerlin Tonic. It was a, a blog that you had done beginning of 2017, yeah. and you were talking about the Course in Miracles that you were reading through the Course in Miracles. Yeah, that's a book that I've heard a lot about over the years, and I have a copy of it, and I have tried to get into it and gone, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Several times, <laughs> and then more recently, I heard somebody talking about it or somebody was saying something, it's the kind of book that when you are ready to understand it, that's when you'll understand it. How did you know when you were ready to understand it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm still not, I'm still like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm seven years a student with a course and, um, all I can say is that every time you read it, because the whole idea is that, you know, you day one you go through it and then you start again so you would you would reread it every year yeah of of your life and there's people who i know who've um read it 25 30 you know kind of times from its mm. from its very very early inception um you know because obviously it's also it's a book that was channeled by an atheist professor yes who thought she was going mental because jesus was chatting to her when she was trying to get her work done <laughs> As you would, you'd like. Yeah, casual. Send me the loony bun. <laughs> Just your average Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, she went to a colleague and said, look, either we're going to have to get me an MRI or, you know, something is happening. And he was like, well, let's see what's happening. And, you know, and it's brilliant because it's, um, you know, it's the current experience was basically saying to Jesus, how, you know, um, okay, how do we do this? And, his response was, well, you'll essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you will write and then I'll tell you when we're done. Yeah. And then apparently every day she was like, are we done? And Jesus would say, no, I'll tell you when we're done. And this went on for like another four years or something like yeah. that. Um, so it is, it is written, it's written as in um, a kind of a more modern within the last 40 years conversation of Jesus just sort of sharing some slam dunk compassionate guidance that does and doesn't make any sense and is more akin probably to having a conversation with a quantum physicist than a priest yeah (laughs) so I think that's a really important part of it is that um when we try and get our head around it and when the intellect gets involved it's not happening 
it's yeah. not happening you know it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense there's probably there's probably about seven lessons I think you know every year that I'm like oh yeah okay great <laughs> um and then the rest of the time I'm like what a table is not a table is not a table okay um but but it's about um it's you know it's great because it's not compulsory it's totally voluntarily yeah and yeah they're just it is this bloody book that so millions of us millions and millions of us around the planet buy for some reason that nobody knows why because I've yeah. literally never met a person that's bought A Course in Miracles because somebody recommended it yeah it is something that we all go and we'll kind of pick up and then it will sit there yeah. for a really really long time and then it will be picked up opened thrown across the room I've heard about copies being thrown in rivers in the bin <laughs> like just out the window <laughs> like yeah. just, you know. but again the, the, the gift of it is this idea of can we get out of our heads and into our hearts yeah you just read the words knowing that on an energetic and unconscious level they make sense to, to that bit of god that's in all of us that bit of that that bit of unconditional divine love yeah and so reading it from there and then you know kind of every day just being like okay so you know right this is this is right no judgment you know that it's very vipassana in a way no judgment no attachment no expectation so yeah. vipassana also helped me understand the course a bit more and and i think yeah um we'll never be ready you know we'll, we'll never be ready it becomes a kind discipline that when the choice is made to begin um, what i found and still find really helpful is i keep the book in the same place I commit to the same time every day yeah. and, and I, I read it and then I leave it and then I go back. And then I notice when I, I've skipped a few days because there's part of me that's like, oh, no, no, no. We do not need to get any more awake. <laughs> <laughs> I Put that down. <laughs> Put that down and pick up some trash fiction woman. <laughs> Um, you know it's such an interesting conversation because again with interfaith ministry um there's tons of people on on the course who've got who've got it and haven't read it or who've gone through the angst of it It, it's basically like being 14 again you know you just don't understand it creates a chaos that change comes from but it's again it's whole invitation is can we read it from the, the kind of ears of the heart if you will you know can we can we hear it from the ears of the heart and then can we just allow it to be you know a pool that we kind of paddle around in without yeah without wanting anything else from it and then and it's and it's about applying it so then again it invites us when we're in these places of turmoil or challenge or we don't understand the violence or the aggression or the um or violent acts of the world a course in miracles over time just softens our judgment and and amongst many other like spiritual and human tools just allows us to to be a bit more willing like to be i will say it like allows us to be willing to be willing to be willing to understand something from a different point of view yeah um, so that it just opens up the framework of the fact that so many people are in pain they, that pain leads us to do some of the most extraordinary things some of them are great and some of them are pretty horrific yeah 
and we have capacity for all of it in all of us and that's that's a really really hard lesson yeah i think it makes sense to when i picked it up the last time to read because i had just been diagnosed with crohn's disease and i was lying in my bed in physical pain going right i need answers i need something to be fixed and that was the book that i picked mm -hmm. up and started and started reading and then i would get maybe i would do it like for a few quite a few days yeah. and then it would get put to the side of like, i can't do this it's too difficult but i think i was at that time i was probably trying to grasp it too many things it was yeah. like I need I need all the knowledge. I need something to fix me now, rather than allowing the body to heal itself and just the time that it needed to heal. Yeah, and that that's such an honest reflection of of what of what that book creates as well. Mm. You know, there are sort of um, like colloquial versions, like Marianne Williamson's "A Return to Love." You know, yeah. that's that's basically a very um, a very easy to read version. And I think um, Robert Holden has. I think it's 365 days where he's written or there's poetry inspired by each of the each of the lessons and so you can kind of go to that and they're a wee bit more digestible and you're still getting the essence of of the yeah. focus. but um again it's just you might get closer to reading the book yeah i think mine just went i'm going to say it's on my bookshelf I hope that's where it is, because if it's not there, I'm not entirely sure where it is. <laughs> I don't remember throwing it out. <laughs> I, will, I will maybe bring it back out and give it another go, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, you, do, you know, again, it's um, but there's it's just is this like I, as well dipping in and out of it's also I think okay, you know, like yeah. all books when we use them as a as a guidance point, that's okay too. You know, it's um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's uh, I mean, if Jesus wanted it to be read by everybody, then you should have written it in a more easy way, quite frankly. But you know, that's. <laughs> should have been thinking about us and how we yeah, think. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My God, you know. Oh, able to, oh yeah, dear me. But yeah, it's um, that and many texts, you know, they'll make they'll make sense to us sometimes and, and it never makes sense to me in its entirety, even after all this time. And and it probably won't and I'm I've got comfy with that. That's yeah. That's basically how it is. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So what what in the world of your own personal personal development are you working on just now? I in the area of my own personal development, I am actually working very physically. Um, and so really being in and of the body, which uh, because it's the first time that I haven't been in recovery basically from some form of something or other, um, you know, kind of um, physically. So we have this interesting thing, I think, in, in like personal, professional, spiritual development, when we often think we've got to sort of get up and out and, you know, reconnect to like heaven or somewhere sort of out there. But we miss a lot of pleasure. Um, and I think we're like circling around to our conversation like we are so used to often being in pain that to be in pleasure can feel quite strange and the way to be in pleasure for me through this inquiry that I'm in personally is to be in purpose and when I'm in purpose that means I have to be in my body mm. so 
this has taken me to some really unexpected places. Um, so the last three months, I basically, I, I started going to a dojo and learning mixed martial arts. And um, I went from never having done anything a few months ago to graduating to yellow belt a couple of weeks ago. And I've kept it very private. It's really interesting. Yep. So this, is, this is literally the first time this has been talked about. It's funny, I feel... Um, have a wee bit of vulnerability around it and that's that's okay because it's um it's this is so for me you do you know what i mean it's like yes. it's for me and so and i think it's important um but with dojo there is this amazing it's an incredible community it's built on such kind of discipline again again it's a bit like a course of miracles there's a time i go there you know, I have my, you know, my uniform, I go there and there's a fantastic set of rules that have to be adhered to. So, for example, bowing before you enter the dojo, bowing before you enter the map. And every, everybody is called sir and ma'am, you know, so it just, there's no, there's, there's a healthy hierarchy in terms of who your teachers are. Ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Little tune coming happening there. <laughs> This is something strumming the guitar. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. Um, <laughs> um, and there's this, yeah, there's just, the, and there's this sense of progress because um, you're working through accreditation, which is really deliciously satisfying to me in a yeah. way that when we're on these personal development journeys um, that don't always need to lead to certification or or another qualification but actually for who I am and this personality that exists in me it's it's really really healthy so dojo martial arts yellow belt in um kickboxing literally something and the words I never thought would come out my mouth yeah um and then the other part is um, is CrossFit. So I've also um, been working with um, some European CrossFit champions and really, again, developing. What's interesting about both these techniques is that it's very slow and consistent. Yeah. And so you're really looking for technique, which, circling back to my training as a dancer, just fills me with so much joy. It's yeah. about this being a master in the body. And then I've also been throwing what I would consider new focus exercises at myself. But this is things like um, clay pigeon shooting, axe throwing and archery. So I've been putting myself into really different um, um, environments because they are all about, again, all of these environments, you have to pay attention, you have to be focused, you have to be present. Um, they are very warrior-esque environments. They're super empowering. They're competency building, confidence building. And with Dojo, for example, it's like the perfect environment of reverence, community, and safe violence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so as a Celt, it's really supporting my fire, essentially. Yeah. Really supporting that natural fire that we all have, which is super and it but it, at the same time it's incredibly earthing and it's incredibly grounding so um that is literally a list of things I never thought I would say out loud um it's also really impacting how I work 
yeah. and how I design workshops. So things like that, more of that will be coming to the world kind of from next year onwards. So for example, um, I might take a group of women um, axe throwing and, um, and, and to archery as, as a profound way of working with courage. So courage, yeah. the rage of the heart. Mm, so yeah. when focused fucking hit that target basically and don't tell me you can't because I've just watched you do it eight times in a row and by the way here's a big old photo you know and that's you and that's your strength and that's your you know that's your innate that's your power you know so um it's honestly it's having a, a profound a profound effect on my life and how I'm how I'm showing up and and it just means I'll be I'm feeling stronger I'm feeling, as I was saying, more connected. I feel more closer to divinity as a, um, I might think of it as like an athlete of love, as, as it were. Yeah. You know, and as environments change and stages get bigger and demands become higher, the only way I can possibly fulfill that is if I'm physically in my body. Yeah. And if I'm really present to being what that, what that means. And the, the pain of, for example, training is a joy (laughs) you know that's a joy pain of that so being able to differentiate between um recovering from training um as opposed to yeah as opposed to it being um you know an accident or a a snap something or a um a condition is just it's you know it's it is it's so elemental it's like heaven sent for me so um yeah not not things i i, I don't know <laughs> yeah, not th- as i say <laughs> not things i thought i would say but um yeah that's um i'm delighted to say it's it's about it's about the body which i'm i'm really really happy about yeah which is good. people like you were saying before some a lot of people who are very spiritual it's all about just their spirit and just their soul and they completely ignore the physical body and that can be the food they're putting in the lack of movement that they give even the lack of respect that they give the physical body because they're like this is such a temporary thing it doesn't matter and it's mm-hmm. like no 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 this is your home just now it does matter yeah amen to that totally totally matters and the thing is if you'd said to me because I think there is a timing around this and this is something I often talk to like one-to-one clients and sort of audiences about as well is that people will be like well how or you know like a bit like the course how like how do you know it's time or when we know it's time and it just is there's just something that you think today's the day today's the day and I don't know why I telephoned a local dojo and had a chat with him. I mean, part of it was I, I was experiencing some rage, which and, and I and I was identifying it as suppressed creativity. So yep. I think that's important as well. Because I think you know, when we talk about or experience anger, it's it's frustration uncharted because our needs aren't being met, and yep. then rage can be the heart. You know, the again the arrow of the heart, and I telephoned the dojo and just went you know my name's Gail and I'm just having a bit of challenge with anger and physicality and your your environment might be really healthy for me and they're like great come on down <laughs> perfect <laughs> you're just the kind of person we need here <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. and again because you're working um you're working in all mixed age groups and abilities as well which is so so I could be working with somebody there's four and already a black belt so they can basically kick my head in you know yeah. you know and then but 
I can learn so much from them and they can learn so much from me. And again, it's so much about respect. Yeah. And this, it's just woven through, um, you know, a very physical lineage, essentially. Um, you know, similarly, it might sound strange, but similarly with things like clay pigeon shooting or, or rifle, and you respect that total environment and holding a firearm and yeah. realise the power it has and the education that comes with that in terms of what it means to wield that in a safe environment or indeed in an unsafe environment, you know, again, as we're seeing because of rage and anger mm. and disrespect in the world, it it changes and alters and empowers your your place of where you're going for research, who you're talking to, the communities that you're spending time with. Um, you know, these are all very uncomfortable environments for me to be in. But what I'm training myself in is being comfortable in that discomfort. Yeah. Because I've been in I've been unconsciously comfortable in uncomfortable environments because of accidents and recovery. And this is now being consciously uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, which is so, so different. And you know, it's uh it's I honestly I just think the the progress when we move our life moves doesn't it that's the thing yeah. So, yeah I would just say you know for anybody that's listening like don't feel like it has to be whatever it is across social media it could be I would really get into kind of like your um the archetype archetype of magical child like I've been looking um I've been trying to find um um swordsmanship so to basically go and and do some sword play because again you know hand-eye coordination fleet of foot movement and uh, moving in a different way it's uh you know you can, it's not a hit section but but you know and it's not a yoga but it's just it's it's joy and it's movement and it's playfulness and i think in our modern world we think movement has to look like a very you know kind of restricted set of things does that make sense yes. so um you know it might be trampolining it could be you know bungee and i don't know it could be plastering i you know it, like, it has to be the thing that you like and that you yeah. want to do and it makes you yeah. feel alive when you do it totally yes yeah. yeah that we should all feel alive when we do it absolutely yeah. that's a key point yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so the last couple of years I think since 2013 or 2014, I have had a word that I am going to kind of live by for the year, the year ahead. So last year it was health, the year before that it was love. This year for 2019, it's going to be unhide. Mm. Do you have a word that you plan on living by for 2019? I do, I do. And that word is elegance. Yeah, that word is elegance. Um... The reason I've chosen that is that there can be, elegance is really interesting, there can be a coolness, you know, that comes, and there can be an inapproachability, if that makes sense, but mm. warm elegance is a bit like, um, you know, you kind of need a bit of iron to hold your head up in the yeah. world, again, it's a bit mm -hmm. of felt. I, I, you know, I sometimes think I come across as a bit of a sort of scrappy do Highlander, which is very true as well, but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, I did, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah, there has to be iron in the spine to stand up and to stand up for, for what we believe in and to really present our soul self and our authentic self to the world. And, you know, like elegance um, and kuri, you know, like a kuri and in, I'm really curious about what that would look like. I'm curious about where that will take me 
you know, and our aligning communities and, and what will happen as a result of that, really. So, um, yeah, I'll keep you posted. Yeah. <laughs> I will be watching to see how it, how it happens. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it, there was just one other thing that I wanted um, to ask you about and then we can sort of like wrap this up. And that, that blog that I had read from um, Girl and Tonic, you had talked about being sober curious at that point. So this is obviously, that was like January, February 2017. Where are you with that now at the end of 2018 when we're recording this? Yeah, no, I mean, I think sober curiosity is something that, um, that, that doesn't, that doesn't leave me. I, I have periods of, um, of not having alcohol in my life. And then interestingly, what I would say is I've probably become more discerning, um, in, in that, uh, and this might sound like the total opposite of sober curiosity, what I'm about to say, but th- but this is my this is my current truth. For example, I've really enjoyed um, educating myself in whiskey again. So uh, you know, not a lot, but the the finesse of a literal wee dram, you know, yeah. once or twice a month, something like that. Oh, with a wee bit of dark chocolate heaven absolute heaven and and it's sort of like that experience for me is um is really delicious and and honoring something that's part of my lineage and also supported by the most beautiful glasses from glen cairn who have their you know their their own distillery and their own um and their own glass makers i think that um I've had periods of, of sobriety, like um, years, you know, where I've, where I've, when I've been without alcohol, they've been very, very important to me. And I, I think as well that, um, that for me and, and where I am, it's, um, you know, I've taught um, two sober new years um, with a, a company in London called Stretch. Um, I'm, I'm leading, co-leading with them a, a retreat this year that a lot of people in sobriety and and who are sober who are not partaking of alcohol are coming to and and that's what I love about the kind of sober curiosity is that again there is this this kind of um this curry safe place like people feel safe to be in the environments with me such as at Hogmanay or such as at another celebration um Similarly, um, on retreats that I lead, um, there might be wine, you know, or there might be a wee whiskey tasting, but it's not an enforcement and nobody's getting smashed. We're not not putting um, cones on St. George's Square. uh, You know, know, um, so, yeah, and I feel really comfy with that. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it just continues to be a place of, of... of health I think in terms of that of that exploration yeah it was just something I was interested interested about because I stopped drinking in 2014 and it was something that I just I was sitting on the beach in Ibiza one morning watching the sunrise and I thought I'm not having fun anymore like just getting wasted wasn't fun anymore and I decided at that point I wasn't going to drink and it wasn't something that I felt was a struggle and it wasn't something that I was doing from a place of judgment it was just an awareness that I felt really dull when I was drinking and it didn't give me any joy or any love and I wrote a post about it recently and put it out on social media and quite a lot of people contacted me about it and they were like oh I've just not been drinking for a month or I've not been drinking for a couple of years and I feel so much better because we've got particularly in Scotland there is this social 
expectation that you are going to drink and you are going to get drunk. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yesterday I was reading some statistics that Scotland is the highest um, place of health-related problems through alcohol mm -hmm. in the whole of Europe, mm -hmm. um, particularly some of the areas in Glasgow. And one, the area that I live in is 220% higher problem, like their drinking capacity is 220%. And I was like, holy man. And it's linked with poverty and deprivation and that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, right, you've got these figures. What are you going to do about it to try and help heal the people so that they feel better about themselves so that drink becomes a choice of enjoyment, like you were saying with the whiskey tasting, and um, so that they're doing it through that, that place of choice rather than that need to numb from the hell that their life is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. God, that's, those stats are terrifying, aren't yeah, they? My yeah. And you're right, because immediately my mind goes to as well, like, okay, so what's underneath that? Yeah. What's happening? Let's not make, you know, assumptions. Um, you know, I've had people in my family where alcoholism has been completely detrimental, you know, mm. completely detrimental, and then going, yeah, kind of going through that recovery as well is, is pretty extraordinary. But um, I think, as you say, it's almost like, um, it's interesting, isn't it? We're talking about just, that there'll be a wee something that happens and suddenly that's the, the right time for you to do whatever yeah. that is. So, you know, putting the drink down. Because, yeah, because you're recognising you're not having any fun. There's not any joy in it. And that's that's just rubbish. You know, that's not what that's not what we're here for. Yeah. And then similarly, however, if it is a, if it's a bomb wound, um, you know, and that wound needs to be, to be looked at, then, um, then, yeah, there's kind of, there's an opportunity to, to to understand more of what that's about and you're totally right like okay so we've got the stats what exactly is happening in this area you know and, and also just epigenetically what's coming down the lineage that's yeah. influenced that and at what level and then you know is there a way do people want to live another way because they might and they might not there's also yeah. that side of it you know as well it's a it's such a kind of place but um yeah, I think, again, if we find peace in all of our decisions and choices, and yeah, and delighted to hear, of course, why, of course, people will be inspired by yeah. what you're, you're writing and sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So if people are wanting to check out some of the things or all of the things that you do, especially because you've got your Puri Mastermind, your Puri Mastermind will, will have already been by the time yes. this podcast goes out. Um, yes. I presume you will do them again. It's not just like a, a one-off yeah definitely I think um yeah I mean if anybody wants to know what's going on then just pop to my website so it's yeah. my name I love shock and shock is s-c-h-o-c-k similarly instagram is gail underscore love shock um yeah there's lots and lots of things coming up for 2019 particularly in scotland yeah. um particularly in uh, glasgow as well so we're kind of um, populating populating like the summer diary at the moment which is which is amazing so then all of that will be released and um, there's meditations that are for sale on the website as well so from like three pounds fifty that are really little but you can have me in your back pocket essentially yeah and then um all I would say as well is if, if people you know have venues um in Scotland particularly and they're interested in hosting me then you know kind of do get in touch and then we can we can share yeah we can share the query magic basically and yeah because um, yeah, when people feel safe that's when things change 
And that's yeah. such an important part of my work. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm going to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Pleasure, an when absolute I, pleasure. Thank when you. I stop recording, we'll have a proper chill. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you, you go, all right, bye. And then hang up and I'm like, oh, we've got to say goodbye properly. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for your time for being on the podcast. You're welcome, my pleasure. Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IamJenWilson.